Hey, what's up, everybody? Chris Hollifield here. I want to personally welcome you to a brand new episode of the I Am Salt Lake podcast. If this is your first time joining us on the podcast, we're here every week showcasing awesome people in Salt Lake City and the surrounding areas. We're talking to business owners, authors, tattoo artists, restaurant owners, breweries, distilleries. We're giving you a taste of the city. If you have an awesome story, we're going to probably showcase it here on the podcast. Our website, this one's really easy to remember, IamSaltLake.com. The cool thing is you can go there and listen to the entire back catalog. All the episodes are up there. You can listen to them really easy to do as well as subscribe to the podcast. Hey, are you moving to Salt Lake City? Maybe you're listening to this podcast because you want to figure out what this city's all about. Are you looking at possibly moving into a house with a little more space in it because we're all working from home now? Well, in case you didn't know, you guys, I'm a licensed realtor now, and I'd love to uh, show you some homes. I'd love to show you uh, possibly your dream home, help you find a place to call your own. Uh, You can give me a call, shoot me a text anytime. I'd love to help you, 801-244-2908. But otherwise, let's get into the podcast. This This is a good one, you guys. Thanks for listening. Now, what is Flourish Bakery and how long has it been around? Let's start right there, if that's okay. I mean, I know that's kind of a a low-hanging fruit question, (laughs) but uh, I But it is the essential question. Yeah, well, I'm sure our (laughs) listeners are like, what is this bakery? I've never even heard of it or been to it. Yeah, so Flourish is um, an employment training program for individuals from backgrounds of substance use disorders and who've typically experienced incarceration. So we work with individuals for a year-long paid training program. Right now, uh, they're at $14 an hour, although the cost of living in this town keeps going up. And so we want people to have a living wage. So they're joining us for a year of an internship, learning baking, pastry, and culinary arts. By the time they complete the program, they'll have also um, had a lot of training in life skills, budgeting. We work with Fair Credit, which is another great nonprofit organization that teaches budgeting, helps individuals plan financially, clean up some background financial issues, which most people have, um, and get people set on a path towards financial stability and success. We also work with um, fitness and whole health and wellness. So for a bakery, that's probably extra odd. (laughs) (laughs) So so what do you do with that? uh, We work with um, nutrition, um, diet and wellness, uh, sleep hygiene, and actually physically going to the gym. Like I showered right before I came here because I'd been at the gym at lunch today with the team. Good for you. Um, Stay away from me. <laughs> well, you wouldn't want to be in the same room with me if I hadn't have showered. So we um, sponsor our individuals, our whole staff, as well as our interns who are in the program uh, with a gym membership for Warrior Strength, a really awesome gym that focuses on um, whole health, wellness, um, and spirituality and recovery. So we're like-minded organizations in the fact that we work with individuals in recovery specifically, and also connect the rest of the world to a path of wholeness and wellness. So for a bakery, it's really odd. Yes. <laughs> but we but bake, who cares, we, right? we bake um, and we make some really great product if I do say so myself. And then, um, there's a whole wraparound section of services in lifestyle development. All the things that I wish someone had taught me when I was in my youth rather than when I was in my forties. 
How long is it, how long is this? Did you mention how long it's been around, or and who who founded yeah. it, who started all of this? Well, I'm here. That would be me. That's you. Okay, yeah. so you're, you're the founder. Okay, excellent. Yeah. I um started along this path with a group of uh, four other individuals. A couple of them are still involved um, on our board of directors, and um. I was working in residential recovery as a chaplain and horticulture therapist. I'm also an Episcopal priest. Oh, That's wow. my other piece of my life and, and have been an executive pastry chef for many, many years. That's a lot. So Good I took you. those and wrapped them together. But what I saw was individuals leaving residential treatment, which is usually 30 to 90 days if you're unfamiliar, which I don't know how you're going to change your life. In 30 to 90 days. I can't stick to a diet in I know, 30 right? to 90 days. That's really not very long. <laughs> it's not. So yeah. that's why people generally are in, in rehab five to seven times before there's any stick. And in that five to seven times, there's an awful lot of opportunity for death. And that's what I saw happening. I saw people either in a revolving door coming back again and again because they had nowhere to be outside of recovery, um, residential recovery and treatment centers. They didn't have a life outside there, of there. There's not options for them because of their background, right? Yeah. It makes you got it really housing difficult. issues. Yeah. You've got employment gaps and issues. You've got financial issues. You generally got family relational issues. <laughs> um, all the things that are all? big triggers yeah. to wanting to anesthetize our feelings. Who doesn't do that? We all do. Right. Some and of it's, it's just legal. Especially hard, <laughs> then they're going to have to revert because what else can they do? Yeah. You know, I, I revert all the time to doing things that are unhealthy for me when I hit stress. And oh, I'm totally. I'm a work in progress. So, <laughs> so yes, where, where do you find these are. people then? How do you nominate people? How do people come in and work with well, you? Well, we have an open application process on our website. Uh, so when you go to our website and you apply, you can you can apply to be a volunteer, which means you're coming in and hanging out, um, sharing skills and I don't know, making cookies, whatever we're doing that day. Um, or you can apply to be an intern, which is the paid internship program. And an intern's with us for a year. You had asked when we started this, our first group of interns started in January 2nd, 2018. We actually incorporated as a nonprofit in 2017 and got geared up, but there was actually also about five to six years pre that of development work around the concepts. Yeah. Like market fit and, you know, I mean, not necessarily Just, market fit. Well, that's kind of the wrong word. No, but that's actually, that's actually understanding the need for it. That's right. Because yeah. that's market fit. Yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah, I guess it is. It is. <laughs> understanding the need yeah. um, and how to meet that need. And so we saw that, uh, individuals needed a bridge across this chasm, uh, to a life that was stable and whole where you could respectively use all the skills that you're learning when you're in recovery and treatment because the world does not really encourage and this is gonna be a big surprise whole health and wellness and balance what? i know i know <laughs> news I breaking know. news here guys it's so <laughs> true, though. i mean it's like we purposely try to make it harder for uh -huh. all of us to yeah feel good and be positive and do yeah. things we um promote people to overwork mm -hmm. to overextend themselves financially to stress themselves out um to to say yes to every request that comes to their doorstep. I think if there's any gift out of this past year, it has been people reevaluating what they really want in their lives. I think that is a beautiful thing. 
Absolutely. And that's what we do every day with people is what do you want in your life and what components are going to help you build a passionate, stable, whole, healthy life that you want to get up and live in the morning regardless. We all have problems. Yeah. But you still want to get up and move through it. Um. So that's what we do essentially. We also happen to make focaccia. If you go to the farmer's market, we're at daybreak, just their last farmer's market. Sorry, it was last Saturday, so there won't be any more right now. But um, we sell focaccia, the lemon loaves. We okay. sell- I'm eating a lemon loaf <laughs> with my fingers right now. And because I don't have a knife and I'm a caveman, it's delicious. Pretty good stuff. Everybody. Oh, yeah. so good. Thank All right, you. continue. So well, we sell a whole line of products that are um, our farmer's market line. We also have our DoorDash line. You can find us on DoorDash. We have a cutie pie line. They're so freaking adorable. There's like these little four inch pies. We have local Utah cherry pie. Usually people say, I didn't think I liked cherry until they taste our pie. This episode is sponsored by Lifelong Learning at the University of Utah. Lifelong is here to help you find a new hobby, explore an interest, and turn your curiosity into a passion. With more than 150 classes every term in arts and crafts, photography and digital media, performing arts, writing, culinary arts, home and garden, wellness and relationships, current events, and a new subject, Explore Utah. Classes are online and in person, and new classes start every week, all year long, so it is easy to find something that fits your schedule. Most classes meet in the evenings or on weekends, and there are one-shot classes that meet once, others that go for multiple weeks. So if you just want to dip your toe in the water or take a deep dive, Lifelong has something for you. I'm even teaching a class this term called Podcasting and Introduction, so if you have a great idea for a podcast, I'll show you my process and what I've learned along the way. For a limited time, I Am Salt Lake listeners can get $5 off a Lifelong Learning class all you have to do is enter the promo code I am Salt Lake, all one word, all caps, enter it at checkout, and you can find your new passion at lifelong.utah.edu. Again, enter the promo code I am Salt Lake. Again, that's all caps. It's going to give you $5 off a lifelong learning class. Head on over to lifelong.utah.edu. And many thanks to the Lifelong Learning at the University of Utah for sponsoring this episode of the podcast. We also um, try to use as many local sustainable ingredients as possible because we're trying to build local sustainable lives, local sustainable economy. So we use locally milled organic flour. Um, the cherries come from Willard, Utah, Wood Yacht Cherry Farm. Um and uh, local chocolate in our chocolate pie as well. It's solstice, mm. single origin Uganda. It's devilishly delicious. <laughs> <laughs> Just because we're leading into Thanksgiving, that's one of our big flavors, along with our maple pecan. And of course, the, the pumpkin spice, gotta have pumpkin spice, but our mile high apple too, which is about three pounds of apples in a nine inch pie. It looks like a little mountain. Wow. Talk about, so, so th you meant Thanksgiving's coming up and, and before know, we started, yeah. before we started <laughs> recording, uh, you gave me some information uh, about how people can order pies for yeah. Thanksgiving. So what a perfect uh, organization to support for Thanksgiving. Yes. 
Uh, you can get your Thanksgivings. You don't have to make them this year. You nope. guys just get let these guys you make can just them. Buy really good pies. Yeah. yeah. Oh my gosh. For so a really ta- good cause. Talk about yeah, when exactly. do they need to get pie orders in, and how Ooh. does that work? Well, our pie shopping cart opens online October thirty first. Okay. So you got a little time. Is there a limit though? Like, are you guys gonna top out if you don't get in quick enough? I always encourage people to order early because last year we had one of those. Oh my God, moments. We've got to shut this project down. Really? <laughs> Too we, many pies. We huh? had so many orders coming in. And last year we had just gotten into our new location with Midvale. So we were just getting settled into our building, learning the ovens. I personally, as the head of the organization, dumped two full sheet pans, which is about eight. No, maybe actually it was 12 pies, big apple pies in the bottom of a huge rotary oven. Uh, That was not the most brilliant moment of Thanksgiving. We did make it through. Um, So how many pies did you lose? um, That was about 12 pies down. Mm. (laughs) That's a lot of work. And a lot of (laughs) F-bombs. Yelled into the oven, um, which is this huge, if you've ever imagined Hansel and Gretel's oven. The oven deserved it. I just had this big visualize of you pushing people into the oven. You could lay on one of the racks and roll around inside the oven. You really could. I just think the burbs, right? Like just, okay. So, um, yeah, so we had about 400 pies sold last year. We know we're prepared to do a whole lot more this year. Um, we have upgraded equipment. The oven is working really great this year, which was one of its problems last year. We have brought in a big, huge floor model sheeter, which is basically a huge pie dough roller. So we can turn out a lot more pie dough a lot faster. So That's awesome. awesome. It's like a... Uh, all, all it's like I, okay, belts. we watch a lot of Paw Patrol, and so all I think is rubble with a roller. Yeah. Like it's a huge machine with just the roller in front. We have a four-year-old. All right. So, all right. So, so I just really like Paw Patrol. <laughs> Okay, sorry. Continue. So it's a conveyor belt, basically, okay. that has those big rollers in the middle, and you yeah. push the pie dough back and forth, <gasps> and back and forth, and back and forth. And That's cool. And it l- makes it so much faster. But, you know, you you reduce the shoulder workout and the upper body. You have to go back to the gym for that, so... <laughs> What, what's that's your favorite okay. pie? What's, what's your, like, oh, do you have a, a favorite? Hmm, our maple pecan is to die for. Okay. I will say, but I'll, I told you that chocolate solstice Uganda pie, but you have to eat it in small slices. But do really you rich. though? Well, it depends on your tummy ache, you know, capacity. <laughs> your level of <laughs> yeah. uh, discomfort yes. when how, eating how, 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 how can you hold? Um, but yeah, um, actually Frank, the trainer at the gym, uh, ate, I do believe a whole nine inch pecan pie individually. He's not a guy who eats a lot of sweets, but the whole pecan pie, he told me that he had consumed that. I think it was a year ago or two years ago. That That's that amazing. Happened. I could probably do that. Yeah. It's oh, chocked yeah. full challenge of pecans. Of right? yeah. <laughs> it's kind of not a hard challenge, I would guess, <laughs> if it's a delicious pie. Yeah. Well, it's chocked full of pecans, so there's just lots of protein. You know, lots yeah, of protein well, exactly. There. I mean, it's really a health food. It is. Basically. Breakfast. Yeah. So, <laughs> so what's your background? I mean, is this like your first bakery endeavor that you've done? Or where, I mean, where where do you come from? Where, well, what's, your, what's your story? <laughs> I originally um, arrived here a little over 18 years ago from Seattle, Washington, which is my hometown. Oh, wow. I have worked at the local um, 
well, Park City Resorts. So Stein Erickson Lodge, Deer Valley, Open Thermont, and some luxury living communities there as well, okay. where my job was to sell land by making great dessert. So <laughs> really, you, you're courting people in that process. Oh, yeah. You're courting them. That makes sense. So, um, so that, that was actually one of the best jobs because you didn't have a budget. <laughs> So. Okay, that's got to be fun as a baker, right? Because yeah. you can really experiment. Yeah, I started actually an artisan chocolate um, program when I was with that company because we were limitless. Whatever yeah. it takes to oh, sell six it. million dollar, you know, piece of you know property. So that's where I, I come from, Seattle. I've worked locally for eighteen years, and um, I got out of the industry. So many of us get out of the industry because it's pretty brutal the culinary industry, long hours, you work all the holidays, all the weekends, all the evenings, very little vacation. There's a lot of it. uh, There's a lot of addiction in the industry. I got out and said, I'm never going back. I'm done. I'm done with the kitchen. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's funny because most of us who are- The kitchen isn't done with you. Yes, that's right. The kitchen (laughs) was not done with me. This is where we say, and God laughs. Um, yeah. so, <laughs> make plans <laughs> I know so um, Sam who is the head of our program management and um, one of our actually athletic trainers and, and nutrition trainer um, the bakery um, he had the same experience I'm never going back to the kitchen I'm done you know and then the kitchen calls you back as you said not done with you uh, but both of us have found our passion in helping individuals heal their lives and we There's no better place to heal a life than around the table of food. I mean, that's, that's the center of, that's the locus. It's the heart of everything. Yeah, absolutely. So we don't work the same kind of crazy that we did when we worked professionally in the industry, um, because we're specifically working to help people build a balanced, healthy life, incorporating good sleep skills, not subs, no substance use. So you don't work 16 hours or 24 plus straight. Um, (laughs) (laughs) All right. We're going to take just a minute of your time now and talk about one of our awesome sponsors, utahmarijuana.org. I love talking about them, but remember when you support our sponsors like utahmarijuana.org, you're directly supporting this podcast. And your health. And your health. Hey, utahmarijuana.org is your number one spot for all things medical marijuana, medical cannabis, CBD, and THC. I don't know if you guys remember way back on episode 420, we had Tim Pickett on the podcast. We talked about medical cannabis here in Utah. We talked about utahmarijuana.org. Well, now he's a sponsor of the podcast. Anyways, utahmarijuana.org's team of medical cannabis experts, they're going to make getting your medical cannabis card super easy from your first office visit to navigating the state card application and beyond. It is so true, you guys. They are the most helpful medically I have ever been. You know how you want to go to the doctor and you're like, I don't even know what doctor to go to or what to say. These guys are incredible. They have over 20 compassionate and highly skilled qualified medical providers ready to help you find relief. So you won't have to search for a doctor willing to recommend cannabis treatment. The patient experience at utahmarijuana.org is dedicated to helping you get all the way through the process so you can get your medicine legally and stay up to date. And right now, they're offering an exclusive discount to I Am Salt Lake listeners. Just use the code GREEN25 for $25 off your first visit. I did. It was great. And depending on where you're located in the Valley, they have a clinic location just for you. 
go to utahmarijuana.org, check it out. They're going to list it right there. They have uh, location clinics from like Provo to Bountiful to Salt Lake, West Valley. Uh, go check it out. And like Chrissy said, there's a promo code green 25. This is going to give you $25 off your first visit. And it's also going to tell them that you came from I am Salt Lake and that you're a supporter of this show and that you're down to support this show and you're down for uh, medical cannabis. So anyways, down for your health. Hey, isn't it time that you took control of your own health? UtahMarijuana.org. Feel better. We have worked with individuals in, um, like I mentioned, nutrition, so diet, health, and wellness, exercise, health, and wellness, and looking at um, mental, physical, spiritual, bringing everything into alignment. I think about like um, if you've ever picked up a chocolate bar and you open it up and inside it looks like white and scaly, that's when the chocolate has bloomed, it got too hot, it melted, and then it like re-solidified. But all uh, there's all the fats in chocolate need to be in perfect alignment. They need to be in balance with one another to be what we call tempered which is when it's shiny and snappy and it tastes nice and doesn't have that funky, sandy texture in your mouth. <laughs> so when the fats are out of alignment, it's got awful texture. Right. But when it's in alignment, it's beautiful and it's extremely desirable. We're helping people bring all the elements in their life into balance, like tempering chocolate, getting yeah. it just at the perfect temperature where it's going to work beautifully. And you have to keep it in that climate, as you know, otherwise you end up with that chocolate bar in the car that looks all gnarly. Yeah, right. So do you feel, I mean, this is kind of a dumb question because I assume you do, but Mm -hmm. do you feel a lot more fulfilled um, taking your talents and kind of converting them into a a new concept? Yes. Yeah. Um, Well, all of us have probably experienced some level of burnout in our lives. Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Yes. Cut an identifier there (laughs) where we just find ourselves dried up and used up and without passion, listless, no vision. Um, Sometimes we don't even know what we like because we haven't found ourselves. Like when did we have time? Yeah. Well, exactly. What is my hobby? I don't know what I do for a hobby. Yeah. Um, you know, I used to bake for a hobby, but now it's my business. But now it's Um, work. So, so, um, So for me, I find it that I get to bring all the elements in my life um, to the table, my whole self, not just my organic chemistry mind and artistic plating self for the restaurant or something. You know, I get to bring um, the spiritual side. I'm also an Episcopal priest, uh, but I, this is my work. I'm not attached to a parish or to a church or anything. Well, technically the bishop's listening to this. Yes, I am. Yes. Um, I'm attached to St. Luke's in Park City. Um, that is not my place of service. Right. That um, is my home community, you might say. Um, my place of service, my place of where I actually fulfill my life role is with the nonprofit, the bakery, which is actually not incorporated underneath a religious institution at all. And it's where I get to bring organic chemistry and the organic of life which is organic chemistry. Let's just be real. Yeah, yeah you're right. <laughs> Together. <laughs> and utilize the metaphors of baking bread with natural yeast um, and local ingredients to help individuals imagine their own life as an organic, holistic process. Um, I always say bread's the teacher because it tells you when it's time 
to bake. Yeah. You do not tell it. That's fair. <laughs> it will not agree with no. you. <laughs> you cannot force the bread. Um, there's some manipulating things about, you know, climate control or that you could do to encourage it along. Yes, you can encourage <laughs> it, but it's going to do what it's going to do. It's kind of like having a toddler, though. I was literally going to say that. It's just like having a kid. Yes. You're like, dude, I'm trying, man. <laughs> I can't hear you guys. Right? Why will you not do what I've asked? Did people... So true. Did people think you were crazy when you presented this idea to hire you know, felons and drug addicts, mm. pretty much? I don't... Well, the community I work in didn't think I was crazy. They were like, oh my God. Because it would seem like the average person would be like, ooh, that's a lot of risk and a lot of liability and a lot of... You know, I do of, see uh, that, but also parenting like, almost that you have to watch over oh, for sure. But like, how cool is it that you're willing to take that risk and help people improve their lives? Because there's not enough institutions that are dedicated to successfully helping people yeah. uh, move back into society. And that's this right. sounds like a really cool option. Okay. That's yeah. just my two cents. Yeah. yeah, yeah no, you're right. Um, so I'm sure there's plenty of people who think I'm absolutely crazy. Um, but then there are plenty of other people who think, oh my gosh, this is what my insert family friend, you know, well, we all, we all, wish we, so we, we all know somebody that could benefit from yeah. this. I mean, we all know. Yeah. Like, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, all of us do. Every single one of us are either it's, uh, someone really close to us in our own immediate family, um, maybe our child or um, a spouse, um, ourselves. <laughs> Sometimes or you just need help, a friend, right? um, or a, someone in our extended family. Can I ask a question? Do you ever take in juveniles, like people who have kind of had some juvenile problems who want to start working on themselves before they have to? You know, we do that with some of our extended cake. Um, classes. We have individuals who are in, in youth recovery programs who come in and they have recreational therapy uh, and they come in and they do a class in like cake decorating with us to help introduce them to a larger community. But you're asking a question that is really key because if someone can find a community and help them transform their life before we hit 25, before we hit 30, before we've developed a really great federal incarceration record. Right? <laughs> There's a lot more opportunity to get in trouble than yeah. to find your way. Yeah. Which is silly. I know. I know. Um, we have thought in the future to um, work around the concept of a youth program, but at this time, our program is for those who are 18 and over. What we find right now is a lot of individuals in midlife, they got in trouble starting in elementary school. You know how that happens. You get school to prison pipeline. You get in trouble, you get labeled the bad kid, uh, the one who's acting out, probably because whatever's going on in that classroom isn't your learning style or there's stuff going on at home. Yes, exactly. So there's stuff going on at home. There's trauma going on at home. and as a kid, you don't know how to hold that. Well, it's like, so, that's not their job. They're kids. No, and right. we really dump a lot on them. Oh, gosh. There's so many expectations. Yeah. And so you get railroaded down this, like, this pathway, um, which we, you know, call the school to prison pipeline, which is a very real thing. And you find someone who started getting in trouble at the age of seven, which actually we have individuals who, in our program, who've started getting in trouble at the age of seven in school. And- 
they become um, individuals with incredible incarceration records behind them. That sounds really positive. Yeah. <laughs> incredible. Not though. Yeah. Very yeah. thick. Very, they, yeah. they go all out. Heavy. You okay. Know? okay. <laughs> Overachievers. <laughs> yeah. Well, <So>. hey. <laughs> but when we um, start young and we feel like we don't have a place with in our family, within our society, within ourselves of acceptance, love, support, what's going to happen? I mean, it's just natural. Yeah. I mean, you're floating. Yeah. Exactly. I totally agree. So what Flourish does, and this is probably the number one thing we hear every day, is it's a community. But beyond that, it's a family of support. Uh, this morning, so we start every morning with a reflection circle and everybody in the business, interns, staff, everybody gets together. Um, we sit um, literally around our large, wooden, big, huge baker's bench table um, on stools. And we've had to actually get out a little, you know, little hourglass timer because it could go on for days if we let it. <laughs> so you got about three minutes in the morning to check in um, with what's going on in your life. We have a word of the day, somebody will, anybody and around the table, frequently it's one of our interns will provide the word of the day. And um, today's word was phases of life. And um, so we all shared three to five minutes, you know, about what's going on in phases of life. What does that mean to us? What's happening right now in our phases of life? And what we found, I mentioned, a lot of our individuals are in midlife. You've gotten from the age seven to the age 50 and are, you know, newly, newly sober or recently released from incarceration from prison um, and don't know what to do with yourself because you don't know who you are and you don't have a place to go. And so we provide that space where there's an income. The one of the beautiful things about um, the Flourish program is not only is an individual paid a living wage, because I believe personally that's about worth and value for your time and your life. You're, yes, you are learning skills on the job. You're also producing product that we sell. Right. Our focaccia, our cookies, our... And if, pies, and if someone, else. even someone who's trying to recover in life is given the opportunity to earn a reasonable amount of money mm -hmm. while discovering themselves, mm -hmm. then they can actually focus on bettering themselves yes. instead of focusing on getting money. Yes. Yeah. You don't have to hustle. The thing is, is if you don't have a job available to you because of your background or lack of big, you know, big employment gaps in your resume um, or stable housing, those two things are huge determinants of whether you're going to recidivate, meaning going back to prison or to jail, um, or relapse, start using again. So job, housing, Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Hello, here we are. What, what's the percentage <laughs> of people that restart, that start using drugs or go back to prison? In this state right now, I think it's 76% of individuals in the system wow. recidivate and um, go back through the county or the state system, um, 76%. So our success rate at Flourish at this time, and you know, it changes with the population every year, how many people we have, how many people complete. Um, but our success rate right now is 85% of our individuals stay sober, stay clean. That's amazing. Yeah. And 100% stay out of jail or prison. 
That's really yeah. great. Yeah. So we have really changed those statistics. How many people do you have typically working there? Um, well, in our internship program specifically, we are targeting 12 individuals for our fiscal year 2022. Okay. So we hire about three individuals a quarter. That's how that breaks down when you think about the year. Yeah. <laughs> um, we want to be able to expand that, but we want to stabilize uh, at 12 before we grow a little beyond that. Scaling is a big deal. It's, uh, yeah, it is. Yeah. <laughs> if you've baked one cake, baking 50 of those is a whole nother project. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, and in all honesty, it's kind of like baking a cake. There's a lot of elements, a lot of patience, a lot of testing that goes into that process. Right now we're doing a really huge um deepening of our life skills um, within the program. We're writing a workbook for our interns that's going to roll out this year. We're also adding um, uh, additional data development systems. So I mean, we're at that point in growth. Moving to Midvale um, this past year really changed things. We're at about 5,000 square feet now. Whereas oh, before nice. we went, we were, it was like the equivalent between a, you know, a postage stamp and 5,000 square feet. <laughs> so, <laughs> that's quite so we've difference. already expanded a lot this last year. Um, but we want to stabilize at that and then continue our growth. Um, because you had asked about applicants. Well, anyone can apply on our website. We also get letters directly from the prison. Because, of course, individuals don't have internet in the prison. Oh, um, yeah. So we get letters with app, you know, requests for application from the prison, from halfway houses, and from individuals who are presently in residential or intensive outpatient treatment who are nearing the end of their program and looking for the next right step, that bridge, to help them to a stabilized life. Well, it's really about building a community around you that mm -hmm. will miss you if you don't show up. It's true. I mean, it's really about um, re-individualizing everyone who has been thrown into the system mm -hmm. because that's yeah. the first thing they do is they strip away your individuality. Mm -hmm. So you don't, so this is, I'm getting a little bit too deep, but, mm -hmm. but it, it is, yes. it makes you feel like, what do I have to offer? Yeah. I don't have anything. Yeah. And if someone can come back in and learn a skill and, mm -hmm. and be fulfilled with it, yeah. that's amazing. That's all, that's all we want as humans, yeah. you know? Whole, healthy humans. What um, the program throughout the year, you know, when you're making money, you're also paying rent. You're buying groceries. You're going to buy a car. One of our guys just bought a car this last week. He's so oh, excited. That's really cool. I that's know. a huge thing. It's a big deal. All right. We're going to take just a minute now and tell you about one of our awesome sponsors. I love talking about these guys. These guys have uh, been sponsors of this podcast for actually quite a while. The Salt Lake Barber Company, if you're in need of a haircut, head on over to 10 East, 800 South. Uh, they offer haircuts, beard trims, straight razor shaves. They are a true community barbershop. They focus on providing the best work environment possible and allowing barbers to always provide the highest quality experience while in the chair. Listen, they do take walk-ins if they're available but do as I do, head on over to saltlakebarberco.com. You can get a guaranteed appointment. It's really easy to set up. You just select the services that you want. Maybe you want a haircut. Maybe you want a straight razor shave. Head on over to saltlakebarberco.com. Punch all that in. You get a guaranteed appointment. You're supporting an awesome local barbershop. I've been going over to Isaac over here for, gosh, five or six years now. 
He always makes me look top-notch. SaltLakeBarberCo.com is their website where you can schedule your appointment. And many thanks to the Salt Lake Barber Company for sponsoring this episode of the podcast. When you think about the cost of incarceration, the county jail and the state prison are between 31000 and I think it's 35000 thousand a year per inmate. Um, crazy. I know. And so when you're paying an individual a living wage, not only do they have pride in who they are, um, value for their skills, a fair exchange for their labor, they're also feeding back into your economy. They're paying, they're paying rent, they're buying cars, they're buying groceries, they're paying childcare, they're paying their child support. Yeah. Which is a big deal. And they're seeing the benefit of being able to do all mm-hmm. of that. I mean, it's hard yeah. to see the benefit of that when you're yeah. struggling to exist. Yes. Well, when um, you have um, an ability to feel whole, feel some pride about who you are and what you do, and not have someone chasing you down for your child support or uh, somebody telling you, you can't live here because you have um, an arrest record, a felony record. Um, those are about shame, internalized deep shame. If you can heal that space within a, an individual, there's so many things they can do with their lives. Oh, yeah. All of us have sources in our lives, whether or not we've been incarcerated or um, been through substance use. We all have experiences where we have shame around something that has happened in our lives um, and the story that we have like bubble wrapped that with. <laughs> <laughs> that it's going to yeah. be okay. Yeah. yeah. But we compensate. We all compensate in some way for a piece of who we are that we feel doesn't measure up to the expectations of existence. And it's healing those things is what we do together at Flourish, the staff and the interns alike. Um, you can't work at Flourish and not be impacted to dig into your own stuff, your own life story. It kind of like forces you to be inspired to figure it mm-hmm. out. Somebody else's story always touches something in your own story. Mm-hmm. There's always... um. One of our staff members, I won't say her name, came to the table for for the circle this morning about phases in life. And she beautifully shared about um, somebody who had reached out to her to ask for forgiveness for the way they had treated her as a not so cool friend in their childhood, which is amazing that someone would consider realizing that they had not treated somebody else well and contact them 20 some odd, maybe 30 years later to say- That's very self-aware. Yeah. Yeah. Say, I was totally awful to you and I I want to apologize for that. Our staff member who received that via in writing um, over this last weekend didn't realize, she, she was, she realized how awful this person had been to her. Another girl, you know, in school, you know how the girls, oh, in girls are. Yeah, I'm always telling Chris, Awful. I'm like, dude, it's girls. Girls are the worst. They are, especially in middle school. Yes, <laughs> eat each other alive. Yeah. Um. And so our staff member said, I, you know, I didn't realize in that phase of my life how much that was still affecting me now, but brought tears to her eyes about that the feelings that well up when something from our past is brought forward, and we realized, yeah. wow, I thought I was over that. I'm not. 
We're not consciously aware of the things that have impacted us. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. And they develop who we are as adults. Mm -hmm. All those things that happen, they shape us into who we are today. I mean, I am not the things that have happened to me, but they certainly have shaped me. Absolutely. Right. I mean, they're your perspective. Mm -hmm. I work every day to, through the mental process of when I'm feeling reactionary, emotionally reactionary to something. Okay. Is this a story from my child? Is this, is this anchored in my past? And am I reacting because of a an experience that I had in the past? Or am I reacting to what's happening right here, right now with this situation? It's overcoming that leap can really provide an opportunity to heal. I feel like that's the leap that none of us can actually overcome. <laughs> like it's hard it work. It sounds so easy. Oh, it, but yeah. but it's like literally the most impossible thing to even be able to be aware enough to say, "Okay, am I actually upset right now or yeah. is this like some kind of buried trauma?" Yeah. Is wow. it, it's an experience I had in with a teacher or a parent or something in in my childhood that I'm like that's because the brain latches on to and works from historical knowledge. Right. <laughs> That's how we stayed alive when we lived in caves. <laughs> yeah. You learn from other stupidity, <laughs> basically, right? That guy didn't heed the call of the tiger. He was eaten. So, hmm, tiger, run. <laughs> you know? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the basics. Yeah. But that's our that's our limbic brain. And overcoming that emotional limbic brain and getting into our thinking prefrontal cortex brain that is the analyzer of what's really real here. We work through meditative practices around that. We do a lot of breathing exercises um, where we just like pause, breathe, ground yourself, feel the feet on the ground, feel the chair underneath of you. Take some deep breaths move through, take a walk around the building, see things, notice the herbs that are growing in the herb garden outside, and then check in again. Where Because that fight, flight, freeze is so stinking strong. It, it really mm-hmm. is. I mean, I think, and, and so many of us have it and we're not even aware. Yeah. We're not aware that that's what's happening. Yeah, no, we're not. And when I'm in it, I'm like, freaked out. My, yeah. My brain's like, you just want to explode and make it all go away. <laughs> yeah. Right. Obviously I'm a freeze. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> disappear, disappear. Yeah. But yeah, that, so. that is tough. So like, how do you, how did you learn this much about, um, kind of the human, uh, I don't want to say like psyche or behavior, but I mean, what encouraged you to make this jump into helping people actually improve their lives? And understanding how to help them. Well, we all have something going on in our own lives, right? Oh, yes, we do. (laughs) So I come from a family who has plenty of substance use issues and some rehab and some incarceration and some really tragic death. I first became aware of that at eight years old. So I know about that in my family. So that awareness blossomed as I grew over time and began to understand more. I didn't understand enough though until I was probably in my mid-20s to mid-30s. 
I realized I had married someone with a mirror family system to my own. And when his um, grandmother died, we were back in California and standing in his grandmother's kitchen, all the cousins, all the brothers and sisters, the family members, the aunts and uncles. And I looked around the kitchen and I went, I can name every single person's addictive issue, whether it was um, what what their substance was, or if it was um, behavioral process, gambling, um, acting out sexually, all kinds of things that would go on. And I went, it was my awakening moment. It was my, holy shit. Okay. Like, why isn't anyone helping these people? I went to, how did I end up here? And then I started reading on, on addiction and co-addiction. And I realized that in every relationship of addiction, there's uh, also a co-addict partner. And I went, okay, I'm in a marriage where there's an addict that means there's a co-addict. Oh God, that's me. <laughs> Is that kind of the, uh, what's the word? Um, when you help them, not intentionally. Oh. I cannot think of the word The right rescuing now. behavior. The yeah, the rescuing behavior. Yeah. The covering, the making it all okay. Nothing's wrong here. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah that, mm, I know how to do that really well. Right? I, I think- spent my life doing that. <laughs> um, it's a good so, time. So we divorced um, because- there was a lack of desire to change uh, those behaviors in our in our relationship, and I couldn't continue living like that. Which is really good for you to be like, really know this is so not good for therapy. me, and I have to do something. I mean, that's really challenging, though. That was a lot of therapy. Yeah, yeah, good, good. I'm <laughs> glad you had therapy. <laughs> but that's kind of where I got into realizing a lot of reading, a lot of my own therapeutic work. Um, working in residential recovery, having family, um, really finding that my passion was about trying to understand why. Why is this happening? What makes somebody behave the way that they do? Um, that's that's my greatest curiosity in the world is, so why do you do that? <laughs> yeah, yeah. What happened that that is... That <laughs> Who hurt you? Yeah, right. <laughs> but for real, yeah. yeah. So I like it life from the perspective of, um, there's nothing that cannot be repurposed. I love compost as an example for that and compost in the garden. Nothing is true waste. Put it in the garden, turn it over a little bit. It'll break down and it'll produce some of the most fertile soil that you have for growing great things in the rest of your life. But that composting process takes some time. It takes some heat, things getting really hot in there um, and um, some discomfort and some really smelly spots um, before we're really ready to say, okay, we've got usable soil here. <laughs> Let's yeah. plant something. A lot of discomfort mm-hmm. along the way, right? Oh, yeah. Lots of discomfort. But that's how I got into this. I I come from a family that has a lot of issues. I uh, I like to think that I'm the one in the family who's choosing to do some healing in the work. Not that my other family members aren't. There's most of my family members are doing a lot of work now. Um, but when I was a kid, there wasn't a lot of that going on. I also with um I have a couple of uncles who served some um, sentences in in state prison and realized that at that time. That would have been like the 60s to 70s. Um, they did a lot of job training 
at that time. They don't do so much anymore, but they did at that time. And one of my uncles learned to be an accountant and was a really great accountant. But it was like having a new outfit, but not changing what was going on inside. And he got mixed up with some individuals who were not healthy. And that resulted in his literal, his, his demise, a really tragic accident. But so I looked at that and I go, okay, so it's great to teach someone to do something, but what's underneath? Right. You think about an iceberg, you can see, so it's like the Titanic. You can see the iceberg. There's this much of it. That's like, it looks you know, real tiny above the water, but the bulk of an iceberg is actually unseen. It's beneath the water. And so what's really going on underneath that's producing this peak on the yeah. surface um, because that's where we really have to do a lot of work, that healing work. It's not s- substance use is the symptom. It's not the problem. Yeah. It's the symptom of something. To help ease the pain. It's exactly right. It's yeah. anesthetizing pain. When I have psychological pain, if I take, you know, a series of different substances, it numbs it and I don't have to face into the pain. Problem is, is it numbs everything. It numbs joy as much as it numbs sadness. Mm-hmm. So you really don't experience anything. You don't. Which is mm-hmm. still not very fulfilling as a human. No. No. And there's a great awakening process to full emotions. Um, when we stop anesthetizing ourselves, I'm my sharing this morning in our morning circle about phases of life was about I'm in a phase right now where I am really learning to sit and companion myself um, through whatever it is that I am feeling and really be curious about and affirming. Because usually when we feel the less desirable feelings, a lot of times for women, that's anger because people don't like women who are angry. We get labeled a lot. Um, and uh, for men, it's frequently feelings around sadness or fear because our culture absolutely emasculates men for having any sadness, any uh, feelings of not being assured and, and affirmed about something. Anything that is less than completely confident. Uh-huh. And yes. it's like, that's stupid. They're human. Yes. Come on. I know, but we don't allow full spectrums of emotion. Right. Sadly, men get relegated to anger. Angers are an acceptable emotion, um, but it also is very hurtful for the individual as well as many people around them. Right. So I've learned to really sit with my anger because women aren't supposed to be angry. <laughs> Um, cause we're not people. Yeah. Just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> you guys gotta <laughs> see Chris in here. <laughs> we're supposed to be sweet. Everyone's scared of me. Okay. <laughs> yeah. We're supposed to be just like, yes. we're supposed to be, ve- we're just supposed to be there for everyone else and uh-huh. never have thoughts or opinions or feelings yes, of our own. Absolutely. And that's just societal bias, right? It's, it's mean, a problem. <laughs> yeah. 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 So I've learned to you know really be sitting with myself and companioning and affirming like, it's okay. So you're, you're angry about something or you're inconsolable with what happened. It's perfectly appropriate for you to be inconsolable right now. Sit with that. You don't have to like get over it. Yeah. And it's, it's when we hand, it's when someone begins to cry and we push a box of tissues towards them 
it like, seems, stop it. Yes. <laughs> it's the, that's exactly that's yeah. the message. Yeah. I'm uncomfortable with the fact that you're crying. So here's some tissues. The idea culturally is, well, your nose is going to run and you're going to want to wipe your eyes. But no, the real truth of that is, is we're really uncomfortable with people who cry. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's <laughs> true. I mean, I think even because of the way that everything is placed, like, like we're uncomfortable when other people show emotions, but it also makes them doubly uncomfortable because they're aware of the discomfort. And then, yeah. I mean, I see how all of this can play so much into mm-hmm. never being able to grow into who you should be. We shut ourselves down and put ourselves in a box. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, compartmentalize and muscle through. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> it's true. I mean, because that's what we're told to do, right? Yeah, that's acceptable. So do you ever have challenges with people who don't really have never had the experience of opening up and being vulnerable? Is that kind of a challenge? You know, it's interesting is one of our guys this morning was actually, I can think of three or four people at the table this morning was saying how unique and odd this workplace is because it's a safe space to be vulnerable. You can be vulnerable with who you are, your story, your emotional affect, and it's safe. No one's telling you not to feel what you're feeling. We, when that thought turn, when that feeling turns into a thought and an action, if the action's not appropriate, we address that. Right, right. That makes so. sense. That seems reasonable. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, but that's the process of learning to check in with ourselves, learning to self-regulate. Um, one of our guys, I he would. It's too bad he's not here right now, but. Um, he, he would off frequently shares the story about he was sober, but he wasn't emotionally sober Mm. and 90 days into his internship with us, we had to have a sit down and talk with him about this got to stop. You got to stop reacting in a way, um, that is controlling the room maybe in the kitchen, with your emotional outbursts and actually scaring other people. And I said, well, you've got two weeks to work on this and we're happy to help you with connecting to resources, but it's got to change because if it doesn't, you won't be able to stay here. (laughs) And that's a very fair and reasonable Mm -hmm. discussion. It is. And it's hard because you're telling someone whose life you want to see be really successful. You don't want to give up on them. You don't. But you also can't, you know, put others in danger because of one individual's inability to regulate themselves. Yeah. So we do hold the space for that safety and vulnerability, but safety. But there's there's a point where you have to make sure it's safe and vulnerable for everybody. And if someone else is not living up to it, that Mm -hmm. makes complete sense. Yeah. Yeah. It's a space that will crack you open. Um, like I said, there's each of us has some place within us where there's a story hiding, maybe from our childhood somebody was mean to us. Um <laughs> and a lot of people were mean to all of us. I, I know. Think. Yeah. <laughs> I guess, it's all my problems. I know. As we're she all was, mean to each this other. This morning I was like, I could see faces rolling through my mind um from school. <laughs> yeah, oh my gosh, school is the worst, right? I know. It's traumatizing. Ugh. It's yeah. really a traumatizing experience as a kid, mm-hmm. as a youth. I suppose that probably answers your question about yeah. how did no, we get No, I love it. I mean, well, I, I apologize I, I went no. to the wormhole, but I love no. I love the behavioral science aspect of this and really helping people 
find themselves. That's what is so amazing about it. It works so great with baking because baking is organic chemistry. Yeah. Every bit of baking is organic chemistry. And so it works really well. The human organ- organism works really wonderfully alongside oh, yeah. baking. We have a we, we have a few standard Salt Lake City questions I need to ask you. Oh, here. Sure. oh yes, so, so, I, I just yeah. went a little long. Yeah, no, you're all right here. I just I just noticed we're 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 getting close to an hour here, so I want to make sure we're we ask these questions. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. We have family and friends that visit us from time to time. Right? Yeah. I'm sure they come visit you from Seattle, even. Absolutely. And they're like, give us the tour, show us around Salt Lake City, show us around the valley. And when I say Salt Lake City, I mean the whole valley, right? You know, uh, Park City even, and and the lake, Ogden, whatever. I mean, heck, if you Mm -hmm. want to go to Moab, go to Moab. Where where do you take people? Where do you show? What's the the, uh, Amy tour? Well, first we invite people to the bakery. Because we give yeah, tours there. Oh, do you? Yeah, do you give absolutely. Tours? absolutely. Okay, that's good to know. Mm-hmm. I, w- I want to come. There's a back. Oh, please. Yeah, There's a back door store. People, it, it feels very speakeasy. Yeah. Um, I guess <laughs> it's literally the back door of the building. Um, inside is our store, our retail area. But then right there is that big wooden table that I told you about, right? Yeah. Adjacent to that. And you're just right into the bakery to see everything, talk to everybody and get a tour. So we always invite people in for a tour. Um, when... I invite people to Salt Lake. Um, I personally really love hiking. Um, so Southern Utah and the Red Rocks, I actually anything, you know, from Zion to Moab, the diversity in Southern Utah is stunning. It's great. It's beautiful. My gosh, it's breathtaking. And that's kind of where I find a deeper spiritual connection in my life is nature. Uh, so seeing earth Right, Mother Earth, and uh, connecting to that journey is my practice. Um, so I always take people to the south. Um, but if I'm here locally and they're only in town for a couple of days, I generally take them to one of my friend's restaurants. Um, we have some really wonderful culinary community here, small culinary community. So I take them out to Lazis or you know, uh, or, to, or to Maza and talked yes. in um, one of our very first believers in that really helped push this project forward was actually Ali Sabahu, the owner of Maza, um, really believed in it and said, hey, why don't you think about this building? Very cool. Yeah, so, so, oh man, love Maza. Mm-hmm. That, that, that's, that's actually one of my next questions was who favorite local eating spots, oh, but it sounds like you mentioned yeah, a couple there, Maza <laughs> and Z's. Oh, yeah. Those two, what else do you need? I yeah. know, I know. <laughs> I love them. Um, so, and then, you know, hiking anywhere yeah. in the Wasatch back as well. It's um, what I enjoy doing when people are in town to visit. I used to ski, but I've injured a knee and you know i'm older now yeah. a lot older seems like a dangerous hobby i'm not gonna take it up it's expensive too. yeah <laughs> it's dangerous and expensive i'll watch people what would you change about uh, about utah about salt lake city about the valley let's say you had that uh, magic uh, ability oh my How, gosh or however you want to interpret the question if i could change anything about about the valley i would change the air quality <laughs> Okay. Okay. That's fair. I'm right there with you. It's getting bad, yeah. isn't it? It's like oh my gosh, barely yeah. any days of relief anymore. Yeah. On our way back from the gym at lunch today, I looked over and I could barely see the mountains yeah. and the trees all seemed cloaked in this like cottony, you know, everything. As I looked out across the valley, I was like, oh, that's really nasty today. Yeah. You can't see anything. Mm-mm. It's crazy. I would change the air quality if I could. Um, for sure. I love the state of Utah. 
I never knew where Utah really was or had paid any attention to it before I landed here a little over 18 years ago. And it was such a different Utah 18 uh, years ago, too. Yeah, yeah. I pulled in. So we moved in in a U-Haul on a Sunday from Seattle looking for a cup of coffee. Oh, <laughs> downtown. Oh, honey. Nowhere, to be, nowhere to be found 18 years ago. Pro- where did you eventually, <laughs> do you remember? So where? It was a resting company, I think, was open at that okay, time. Okay, okay, yeah. I was like, oh, thank God. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. But you know, Starbucks hadn't really popped up here or anything Right, yet. there weren't a lot of options. Uh, no, no. And so, I mean, in Seattle, they're everywhere. You can get coffee on any corner. And I'd sure. lived, I'd lived in um, Japan for several years. You could still get, you could get Starbucks in Japan at that time. And it was like before the turn of the millennium. And I got here and I was like, oh my God, what are we going to do? There's no coffee. <laughs> this was many years ago. I had a, I had some relatives visit from California and they went to a Starbucks mm. and the girl there did not even know how to make drip coffee. Mm. She had to walk her through. I mean, and this was probably 15 yeah. years ago. You yeah. know, this was probably 15. That's amazing. And so yeah. it's like, how do you not know how to make just regular coffee yeah. at hey, Look, it's new to some of us. This, okay. this, this was in Provo, though. It was at the oh, right, right. At, I'm at Provo Those Starbucks. of us who were raised LDS, it is like yeah. a whole thing that is, I mean, it's very not that hard to make, though. But it like, kind of is. I will talk about this later, but <laughs> I mean, you could, like a nice, I guess a good French press or something yeah. might be a little more difficult, but just a regular coffee. You know, it's, just, it's about how much grounds, how much grounds. Well, that's you put exactly in. the problem. Like yeah. how many are you supposed to put in in comparison to the amount of water? And yeah. I always screw it up. I'll never get it right. Just trial and error though. Really. Well, I just make a coffee concentrate out of that and you can add as much hot water as you want. I like that. Just slowly. <laughs> taste it i just i you know i make motor oil when i make coffee so nice and strong um but yeah so that's um my friends from seattle have enjoyed visiting here over the years although most of my friends are here now yeah most of my friends are you're usually in the culinary industry or the recovery world now (laughs) not a bad place to be no yeah no a lot of coffee drinkers there yeah Everybody knows how to make coffee real strong. Um, so. so before we leave, before we wrap this up, I have to ask you about this whole priest thing. That mm, you yeah. Now, why, why did you become a priest? What, what is oh, that all about? I mean, I mean, I'm an ordained minister myself, but I just did that because I wanted to perform some weddings. Oh, so I didn't know if, that, if that's why you <laughs> wanted to do the whole priest thing. Oh, well, it was a little bit more than that. Okay. Although I, I did uh, just marry a friend. I didn't marry. <laughs> I, or, I, I, I um, officiated a wedding. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so, um, this weekend. So it was a lot. It's a little bit of a long journey. I'll try to, I'll try to wrap it up. Okay. It started in Seattle. Okay. Um, my undergraduate degree um, was in religious studies and administration. Um, I was very disillusioned by what I saw in organized religion at that time. And I left and we moved to Japan and I had a great time and looked at meditation, Buddhism, Shinto practices, um, which really helped inform my worldview about spirituality. When my, my former husband and I divorced, um, I really felt a renewed prompting to follow more of that in my life. And at that time I was at the Episcopal church, St. Luke's in Park City. Um, And it's the only place I had found spiritually 
where when I walked in, I felt at home, like literally like, you know, when you put on a long trip and you're lugging your suitcase around or your backpack and you're just like, oh my God, I just need to set this down. It feels so heavy. and I'm exhausted. Yeah. And you get in and you just plunk it down and you're just like, oh, you can finally relax. Oh, yeah. There's no one looking at you. It's all like chill. Yeah. You know, you don't have to worry about missing something. Nothing. It's all good. That's how I felt when I went into St. Luke's. I felt like, whoo, that is so off. nice. Chill. Like sit back. Um, the priest there just retired and they're, and they're looking for a new priest right now, which is not me. Um, <laughs> although you're kind of busy. I, I was <laughs> a little bit busy. <laughs> I have a full-time job. Um, but I felt that renewed sense of calling when I was there and explored that, which is a lengthy process with the Episcopal church. Um, and a good one because discernment is really important. And that's what we ask of all of our people in, in, um, flourish as well. Are you supposed, is this where you're supposed to be? Do you feel like this is where you're supposed to be? It's checking in with the body, not with the mind, but checking in with the body and leading forth from seeing patterns, um, in one's life. And so I discerned that I felt like it was really the right thing for me to do was to follow a process of ordination, which is, long and arduous. And I went to school back um, east in Cambridge, Massachusetts. And it was like being a kid in a candy store. I love thoughts. I love exploring thoughts. I like unraveling thoughts. I love taking things that like they're supposed to be like this, Mm -hmm. turning them over and saying, why? Why are they mm-hmm. supposed to be like that? That's exactly right. <laughs> I love I that. I love like dismantling something and, and saying, well, why should it be like that? Yeah. Yeah. That's and that's best. how we got flourish. Why well, exactly. should it be like this? We can solve this problem. Yeah. People there, don't it's have not that to hard. fall off the edge of the earth. <laughs> right. Right. Let's find the people falling through the cracks. Yeah. I think that's brilliant. So I just took all of those skills that I learned um, in that life process and said, it doesn't have to be like this. My degree is in feminist liberation theologies. So really looking at dismantling structures and asking yeah. why. And then, yeah. but not, you can't leave things dismantled. You have to take components and say, what do we need to build? Right. What's healthy. Right. And so that's what, it, that's how we ended up with Flourish. And that, that whole process, that whole ordination process was about studying oppression and marginalization and healing and wholeness, which is so awesome because you're doing out a <clears throat> you're doing it on a uh, like a society level, mm-hmm. which is huge. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's so, so we've cool. grown a ton. I mean, our first donor, you know, fifty thousand dollars. I'd never seen a check with that many zeros before. I was really excited uh, in real life. Like held a check with that many zeros. Well, we've all seen publishers clearing house. (laughs) (laughs) Looks great. But we just, we just wrote and passed, our board just passed a $1.3 million budget this year. Doesn't mean we have 1.3 in the bank. It means we have to raise $1.3 million to um, grow and sustain the organization. But that's huge. Between 2017 and 2021, that's a big growth. huge yeah and tells you the need and we get more applications than we have positions for and that's the most heartbreaking thing is we're trying to grow so that we don't have to turn people away wow how can people get a hold of you what's um, the best ways to do all that well you can certainly find us on our website which is uh, flourish slc like salt lake city.org flourish spelled f-l-o-u-r-i-s-h 
and slc.org. All the info's there, phone numbers, emails, applications, more information about our program. But we're lo- we're also located at 752 West Center Street, Suite B. So we're at the back of the building, Suite B. Um, don't be deceived by the Cricket Wireless at the front. Um, <laughs> the bakery's at the back. Um, and you can come in Wednesday to Saturday between 8 and 4, 8 a.m. to 4 p.m. Um, say hi buy something. We're also at the uh, Pioneer Park Farmer's Market. Not Pioneer Park. Wrong location. Scratch that. Liberty Park Farmer's Market on Friday night. (laughs) We're at the Liberty Park Farmer's Market on Friday night. When does that farmer's market end? Oh, in October. So there's only a few more weeks. Yeah, I was going to say. Got to get out there. Get out there soon. But you can find some of those really cute mini pies and all kinds of stuff that we've got going on at the markets. Um, Fall comfort food, guys. Oh, my gosh. Yes. Pumpkin cookies with brown butter frosting. Mm. My fave right now. Until I'm sick of cookies. Well, I'm never sick of cookies. Uh, Let's be real. Yeah. Pumpkin. Until I'm sick of pumpkin. (laughs) There you go. More accurate. But yeah, so we're in Midvale at 752 West Center Street, Suite B, online, flourishslc.org. And I'd tell you to call us. but you might end up having to leave a voicemail because we're kind of busy. So it's 385-474-0371 is our main line. Okay. Yeah. Right on. So glad I got you on the podcast here. I Heck of a so story. To be Heck here. of a story. Thank you. Thank you so much for, for coming and recording with us. Chrissy has a final question. She asks everybody that comes through here. So okay. of course she's going to ask As you. As if Amy. I haven't been hounding you. Thank enough. you so much for, <gasps> thank you so much for recording. You know, we'll bring oh, you back through. I'd love to come in and maybe do like Please. an Instagram live or something even. At oh your my gosh. For our listeners. Our team is. Yeah. entertaining and yeah. fabulous. Yeah. So Ooh. please do come. No, I think it'd be fun. Okay. I, I love that. Yeah. We should yeah. totally do that. Yeah. Oh my gosh. We're going to bring the kids. Okay. Yeah. We yeah. have kids who love baking. Oh, by good. The way. It's, <laughs> it's uh. a problem, but okay. Before we let you go, mm-hmm. can you leave us with a motto or a piece of life advice that you live by? Ooh. Hmm. As a business flourish lives by the motto of the opportunity to begin again. We believe in chances. Sometimes that's a first chance. Sometimes it's a fifth chance <laughs> or more. Um, but hey. the opportunity to begin again, because um, that's what our that's what our mission is about. All right, that's going to do it for another episode of I Am Salt Lake podcast. Before we close out this episode, it's the first episode of the month. That means we give some love to our Patreon supporters. We have some rad Patreon supporters that uh, I just want to run down the list here and let them know. Uh, how much we appreciate them and how much we, uh, you know, we're, we're grateful for their support with the podcast. If you would like to become a Patreon supporter, head on over to patreon.com slash I am Salt Lake and you can become a Patreon supporter for as little as $1 and we'll read your name uh, just like these folks here. Uh, Jeremy Hunt, Jen Seals, Mark Copeland, Brett Schmidt, Todd Bjorkland, Tim Haran. Michelle Stevens-Williams, Christopher A. Heiser, Brandon Hill from Mountain Standard Time Marketing, Jay Chambers, Sana, John Miller, Eric Tomorrow, Nicole Davison, Nikki Line, and Ryan Prince. Thank you to all those uh, individuals for being Patreon supporters and helping keep the lights on for uh, I Am Salt Lake podcast. Uh, like I said, that's going to do it for this episode. 
Make sure you're subscribed to this podcast in whatever podcast app you listen to podcasts in. That way you get every episode sent to you directly when it comes out, and uh, that way you don't miss any of them. Alrighty, that's going to do it. IamSaltLake.com is our website. You guys have a great week. Get out and enjoy the city, and we'll see you on the next episode of I Am Salt Lake Podcast.